Welcome to the PCA Power Positive Podcast, powered by Tapivo. I'm Jason Sachs, PCA's Executive Vice President for Business Development and Philanthropy. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. Before we get to today's interview, we want to say thanks to Tapivo for the support of this podcast series. Youth sports can be confusing, especially if you're new to them. The different sports, leagues, coaches, and programs, they can be a bit much. Well, our friends at Tapivo are here to change this by putting all of that vital information in one spot. Visit tapivo.com, that's T-I-P-E-V-O.com today to help you discover, connect with, and review the program that are best for you and your kids. Today's guest on the podcast is Glenn Sugiyama. Glenn is Managing Partner and Global Sports Practice Leader for DHR International. He also serves on PCA's National Advisory Board. In our conversation, we dive into the executive search world in college and professional athletics. You'll get a behind-the-scenes look at all that goes into hiring a college athletic director, football, basketball, or pro sports executives. Lots of great insight from Glenn on today's episode. Thanks for listening, sharing with friends, and be sure to check out our partner, Tapivo, at tapivo.com. Welcome to the Power of Positive podcast. I'm Jason Sachs. We are honored to have Glenn Sugiyama join us today. Glenn is the managing partner and global sports practice leader at DHR International and also a PCA National Advisory Board member. Glenn, thanks so much for being here. It's my pleasure, Jason. Thank you. So let's jump right into it here. Um, You are in the sports executive search world. Uh, for somebody that doesn't know what that means, in 30 seconds, what what exactly does that mean? 30 seconds, okay. Well, executive search has always been around. Major corporations uh, around the world use executive search to, to hire key leaders in their organization. And as sports has evolved and has become uh, more money has been applied to it, et cetera, whether it's the, at the pro or collegiate level, uh, those hires become more and more increasingly important, and there's more money on the line. So as that happens, uh, sports has become a large part of the executive search world. Great. And so you were, uh, I read an article that in Forbes that called you one of the most influential men in college athletics. So how does a psychology major from Michigan State become one of the most influential men in college athletics? Well, first of all, I think Forbes is being very kind. <laughs> but, but second of all, I, I think one of the, it, it's not who I am, it's what I do. And, you know, I am, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where we're able to help companies, colleges, universities, teams, leagues, help them pick their leaders mm-hmm. for their future. And, you know, that's very important, obviously. And so, you know, we, we don't, although we don't, you know, people see us as being the kingmaker or the power broker, or all these terms that, that uh, you're talking about, people in the media, what they use for people like myself. But I think, you know, the important thing is that there are professionals and professional organizations that are charged with uh, the task of finding key leaders for large entities and important entities. And uh, it, it's extended from the business world to the sports world, as I said. And uh, so that that is, in a nutshell, is what I do. And that is where that whole um, 
that whole kind of persona evolves from. So how did, how did you get here? I uh, graduated from Michigan State, and then you coached basketball in college. Um, so just tell us about the steps that led you to where you are now. First job out of college, I was a college basketball coach. Uh, um, and then I came to Chicago, got into business, and ended up becoming uh, involved with the Chicago Bulls organization. And timing being everything, I, I was able to uh, become part of that organization a year after Michael Jordan was drafted. And, uh, you know, from there, when, you know, w- was able to be part of the ride of, of the championships of building a franchise from a losing organization uh, to one that was uh, one of the, one of the best dynasties in the history of the NBA. So um, uh, I think Michael had a little bit more to do about <laughs> it than I did. Just a tad bit more, yeah. But uh, but you know that that experience uh, was one that has has made a career for a lot of us. And uh, uh, you know going forward. Uh, it, it, it launched my career into what I'm doing now. So one of the other places where you were before DHR uh, was Leo Burnett, the agency. Um, so tell us just a little bit about what you did at Leo Burnett and then also what you learned there that you're currently using in your everyday work. You know, I think one of the things, uh, first of all, Leo Burnett is – at that time was a privately held company when I when I joined there it's based here in Chicago and um, you know one thing that I liked is I, I like companies that were based in Chicago because I love living here I was born and raised here and always looked for a place that as you know if I if Leo Burnett had ever asked me to leave Chicago I knew that I could work my way and get promoted home at some <laughs> point in time as opposed to promoted elsewhere and so that was important to me but you know Leo Burnett is uh, is a company that probably had one of the strongest cultures mm. uh, and and one of the best companies in treating their employees um, so it was a great learning experience for me uh, great experience of working in a strong culture with with the most talented individuals in, in the world and you know, you, you get so much satisfaction about, about, you know, what you make or, you know, getting paid or, or, or the job that you do. But one of the most satisfying things to me is coming to work every day with, with some of the smartest people in the world in their given craft. And that's what we had at that building at 35 West Wacker. And, uh, to, to have that experience and, 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 to, and to go to war with those people every single day, that was, uh, that was an experience that was second to none. You talked about culture a little bit, so I want to transfer that over to your current role, um, working with major colleges, um, especially in college athletics. You have the you know, Power Five conferences, big schools, you know, multi-million dollar industry. Um, you hire athletic directors, you hire football coaches, basketball coaches. Um, a lot of times when somebody's bringing in someone new, they talk about, we need to change the culture here. Um, what does that mean to you, or, or how does that go into play when you're thinking about who you're going to bring in as potential candidates? Well, I think off the top of my head, you know, when you, when you say a culture change and you know, there's different situations when a job is open, right? One is 
um, if a, if an individual were to win and, and get a better job and you know kind of move up in their career and the jobs open, in that they're trying to extend the culture, right? If they if it was maybe that the the prior administration or the prior coach was less successful, then they they are looking for a change in culture. So um, that that is you know that can happen two ways. I think one is you want to you want to bring about a championship culture. So you want to go from a culture of losing to a culture of winning. Mm -hmm. And that that's in the way you carry yourself every day, the way you you coach your team, but also who you recruit. If you're an athletic director, it's who you hire. If if you're a coach, it's who you recruit. Who do you bring into your program? Do you bring do you bring winners into your mm -hmm. program? Do you become champions into your program? It's much easier uh, hiring, and that, that's what we do. It's much easier to to get somebody who's a champion to to coach them up to be a champion. It's much easier to coach a winner to, to be a winner. But, um, you know, to, to get somebody who's not a winner, who's a negative person, who's going to be a drag on your team, and to try and coach them into, it's a little bit tougher of a sell, I think. I, so the championship culture is one piece, and, and the other piece in this day and age is a culture of compliance. You know, somebody who's going to teach they you know, run their program and follow the rules, doing things the right way, making sure that you treat your student athletes with the utmost respect. Um, you know, I, I had a, a uh, my son was a student athlete at, at the Division One level, and you know, to know that how important that is when you drop your kid off at, at college and, and you you're basically putting them in the care of of an athletic director and a coach. And how much trust there is there that you want to make sure that that person's going to be a, a strong and passionate advocate mm -hmm. for your child, and um, that's what I think about every day when I make those hires. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. I mean, so when you're sitting across the table from you know a couple of potential candidates for a coach, are you putting yourself in? Okay, like what are they going to look like when they're in the living room with parents and, and kids? Like, and, and are you thinking back to your experience as a parent with your own kids absolutely i think i think the number one thing and you know we're we're a big global firm okay we have over 50 offices all around the world and um we have all these tools at our disposal you know background investigations extensive uh extensive ways we look at people's past and and the way they did things in, even extending into their personal lives we have go way beyond a typical background check. You know, we, we have over 13 FBI agents, federal judges, et cetera, that work for us that help us research people's backgrounds. In, a, in addition, you know, psychologists that help us interpret people's leadership abilities, assessments, their skill sets, uh, what makes them effective leaders, uh, those types of things. We're able to judge that and give our clients color-coded charts and 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 give them a very quantitative analytical viewpoint of candidates okay not just subjective but when i'm interviewing people okay and in you know i'm i'm a professional interviewer okay i'm i'm i think i'm pretty good at getting out there and interviewing people and and kind of dissecting 
what they who they are and what they truly stand for and um, you know when I when I when I talk to them you know I'm looking for a good person I and mean, yeah. that's the bottom line it did to, to get to the very basic piece of it I'm looking for a good person a good individual somebody would would I spend time with this person if I wasn't getting paid to speak to them for an hour <laughs> Or I can I just not wait till I get away from this person? Right. Okay. If I if 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 it's somebody that I like, that I that I feel an, uh, an affinity to, that's important to me because then I'm going to, um, uh, you know, trust that person with a client and and you know the the people that they're going to be leading. So uh, that's that's number one. I think high character individuals would then hire high character assistants high character assistants recruit high character players and if if you get high character head coach a high character assistant coach and high character players then the athletic director will sleep better at night across the board now obviously and you mentioned this a little bit before but let's take a a basketball or football um, job. There's obviously different things that ADs are going to look for in a coach, but is the, what, across the board, what do you think is the most important thing that ADs are looking for when they're hiring coaches? I think I think what I touched on before. I think somebody who's definitely going to do it the right way, somebody that realizes they're part of an academic institution mm-hmm. first. Yeah. Um, you know, but somebody also is going to create a, a culture of champions and, and a winning culture. So all those things are are important, I think, for an athletic director. And I, and I have to say this, you know, athletic directors are, they are the ones that pull the trigger every time. The athletic director is my client. If it's an athletic director being hired, the president or the chancellor is my client. So... I have never made a hire. I have, I have facilitated the process, and I've, I've brought quality candidates to the search, and we've looked at their backgrounds, and we've assessed their leadership skills and their abilities and levels of communication, and we've gone way back into their background and talked to references and done types of things that athletic directors or presidents could not do on their mm-hmm. own. You know, I, you know, sometimes I hear... Hey, it's not. It's not. They shouldn't use a search firm. It's the athletic director's job or it's the president's job to hire the right, athletic yeah. director or hire the coach. Absolutely, I agree with that. It's their job to hire. It's my job to facilitate that hire. They cannot do what we do. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like you have a you have a calculator and you could add them subtract, but you still go to somebody to to do your taxes. You know, you can. You know, you have a general counsel at a university. You still hire a law firm if you're in a legal situation. Uh, you know, you have people who can draw. You're still going to hire an architect right. uh, to, to build your building. You're not going to just do it on your own. Yeah. So I don't think any anybody, and in fact, I think it's malpractice. If you're, if you're not going to, if you're going to hire an architect for a building, if you're going to hire a lawyer for legal work, if you're going to hire an accountant for accounting work when you have a CFO you have a CFO they can they can they can uh, you know give you results also and they're getting paid to do accounting 
but you, you're still looking for that outside help, that third-party professional help, the same third-party professional help that major organizations like Google or Disney or Microsoft or Boeing or any of our clients uh, that they use when they go out and they, and they utilize us to hire key personnel in their staff. So, you know, I, I would say uh, respectfully that, you know, what do you know that those big multinational corporations don't know? Right. Because they use us uh, when they're doing their key hires. So, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to make the hire. It's going to be your decision. They're never out of control of the search. But we do everything else for them to make sure that they're, they have the best possible information to make the right decision. Let's say a, a hire doesn't pan out that you've been involved with. Do you, do you think the search firm is is a way for them to place accountability elsewhere, or? I mean, they they may see it that way. Yeah. I don't. I yeah. I think we're there to to be there. Um, As you said, you're not making the hire. It's still their decision. It's still their yeah. decision, yeah. and and you know there there are many times when the hire wasn't the hire I would have made. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know our statistics speak for themselves. I think. We're 93% in coaches are getting extensions in this day and age. That's, you know, Pretty that means yeah. somebody who's, who's been, been terminated and, you know, it's been a losing program. Then the new coach comes in and gets a contract extension beyond the one they signed when we hired them. I think we're in the 70s for, like, football coaches uh, uh, within two years going from a losing record to, to – appearing in a bowl game. So, um, you know, I, 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 would, I would stack our record of picking coaches and administrators against anyone. How do you balance the different stakeholders involved in the process? You know, if you're, you're hiring a, you know, a coach and you have, you're hearing from athletic directors, you're hearing from the president, you know, you probably are engaging with donors, former players. I mean, that's, I'm sure there's part of it you just need to smile and then block it out but you know you're really or, or are you really trying to collect as much information from everybody yeah i i definitely am trying to trying to uh you know it's twofold right for me i'm definitely trying to get as much information as i can so when we whether it's a coach or an athletic director or whatever the position we'll always start out the search with two or three days on campus doing like a quick 360 evaluation of that position, talking to people who touch on that position, even tangentially uh, throughout the year. And, and then talk to, you know, if it's a coach I'll, or an athletic director, I'll talk to the student athletes, I'll talk to captains, equipment manager who always knows everything, <laughs> uh, the trainers, um, people who work in, in the administration, Faculty, because I think especially in a, a, whether it's an athletic director or a coach, somebody who's able to reach over to the academy and make sure that they're not this standalone athletic department or this standalone program out here separate from the university. They're part of the university. So their ability to, to, to reach out to faculty and administration and work together with them so they're part of a, a unified um, institution I think is is really important so you know we'll talk to them we'll talk to the president we'll talk to 
the provost. We'll talk to uh, major donors and gift givers, uh, supporters of the university, fans, alumni, um, key individuals who in the community. All of those people are people that we would reach out to get a feel for it because I, I'm going to be there for a couple of days, but I have to have years worth of knowledge to know institutional knowledge, to know what has gone in the past so I can feel, you know, get that knowledge going forward as I, as I execute their search. What advice would you give to um, an assistant coach in college athletics that eventually wants to become a head coach, and how do they become a, a you know, more attractive candidate? Well, I think, you know, what I tell everybody is, is the same thing, and it's the same thing if when I was coaching and I, I was a recruiter, you know, in, in, in basketball, I, I'd say, you know, do what you're doing. It's my job to find you. It's not your job to find me. I, 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 players should not worry about who's recruiting them. Players should not be looking in the stands all the time. Who's here to see me? Who's here to see me? You go play your game. It's our job to get to the game and watch you play. That's how I feel about what we're doing. We're a search firm, okay? You don't need to know me uh, to, um, to get a job from me. I mean, I, I don't think there's, there's, there's a, a majority of the coaches or administrators that I've hired that I didn't know when the search started. Okay, so you don't need to know me. You don't need to be my friend. I, I could only speak for myself because we're, right. we're doing a search for the university. I don't even know what I'm looking for until I go spend that three days right. on campus. So once I, I find that out, I find somebody that's going to fit them, not find somebody who's going to fit me. It's not what I like. It's not what I need. I'm going to get on a plane when this hire is made and leave. Yeah. Okay. I need to make sure that I bring in somebody that's going to fit that place, that culture, and that uh, that program in the current state of their evolution. Because there's leaders that are C to B leaders and there's B to A leaders, and I, and depending on what stage of the evolution that program's in is going to depend the type of candidate that we're, we're going to recommend. One of the, when, when you're <clears throat> looking for candidates, um, I think an issue in across all forms of coaching is the lack of diversity. So how are you combating that? How are you trying to bring diverse candidates, you know, to the forefront? Well, I think that that's something that is, is probably I could speak to better than any other search person in the world, especially in sports, okay, because I'm one of the only people who's actually a diverse executive <laughs> search person. Right. And uh, there's not a lot of us, if any, and, um, you know, our ability to, you know, it's just important to me because it's important to me to bring diversity to any search that I have, whether it's by gender or race or what have you. I think, you know, Strength comes from diversity in any organization, in any team, or any professional team, or any college. Strength comes from diversity. Diversity is, you know, the single most important thing. And if, if it's important in the players that you recruit and you want your leadership to be a reflection of your, whether it's the players that on your team, the members of your organization, the city that you represent, or the university that you represent, 
whether it's college or pro, I think you cannot underscore diversity enough as far as something that we can bring to the table more than more than organizations can have for themselves. That That is one thing that I would say. If professional sport teams want to truly, um, truly believe in diversity and truly want to guarantee that they're going to be looking at diverse candidates all the time, then they would go hire a professional organization that has a diversity practice that we do. Uh, we, we, we placed, I think in the last year, 43% of all of our placements as a firm were diverse candidates. Mm -hmm. So if, whether you're a college team or a pro team, if you truly believe in diversity, um, then you would hire a search firm to represent you to make sure that you're out there um, finding those, those, those diverse candidates if, if you can't find diverse candidates who are qualified, then you're lazy, okay? Yeah. You're not, you're, you're going out there and you're just picking up, you know, the same candidates that somebody right. else hired or somebody else interviewed, excuse me, and you're not really truly looking for diverse candidates to hire. You're just trying to check that box and you're trying to get past it. And you're going to say, hey, I had so many, uh, I interviewed diverse candidates. That's worthless to me, okay? It's important that you find people who are qualified for the job. That's when you're really doing your job. I would never, as a diverse executive, okay, I would never want to get flown across the country to interview for a job that I truly did not have a chance at getting. Actually getting, right. I would not want that to happen to me, and I'll never do that to somebody else. So I, if, I, if I look at these candidates and they're, 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 let's say it's a pro sports team, and you know these other pro sports teams, and they're known that this person's hired for the last four jobs that have been open, head coaching jobs, right. or the last four GM jobs this person's been in the search. And it's because... They're not doing their homework. They're not going out and finding out who is really a quality candidate who could interview for this position. They don't know. They think they know. Like, we know everybody who could be a GM. No, you don't. Yeah. You, we know everybody who could be head coach. No, you don't. You know, if, if you did, you wouldn't, these pro, pro sports teams wouldn't keep hiring the same, <laughs> same individuals thing, right. over and over again. Guy, People get fired one day, they get hired the next day because they think that's all the people there are in the world. That's not the case, okay? If that's the case, then, you know, uh, Disney would only hire somebody <laughs> who worked for Universal or, or Boeing would fire somebody from Airbus or something, hire somebody from Airbus. I mean, it'd, it'd be, you'd be sitting here with the same pocket of people. Only in professional sports does that happen. Does that happen, right? Where yeah. we, we feel like there's a shortage of executives. And if that's what you really believe, then that's a, that is very short-sighted. And it shows you when you're not doing this every single day. You know, when you're running an organization and you're, you're trading for players and you're doing all that, you're, you're spending the kind of time on your draft board, maybe, that we do in hiring coaches and executives. That's why we should be your consultant when, when you need us. Do you feel like when you're looking for, when you're doing a search and you're looking for candidates, 
you know, there's almost, you talked about it, where there's, you know, the, the same names are going to come up, you know, on a regular basis. So do you feel like ADs, let's, let's say we're, you're hiring a coach, ADs are saying, okay, like I want somebody, I want to I pull a candidates. I want somebody that's been a coach, you know, is that the name everybody's talking about? I want somebody that maybe was a coordinator but never been a coach, maybe somebody that's a head coach at a lower level that's ready to make the leap up to a bigger – like is there – are there different buckets where you feel like you have to present somebody from each of those different backgrounds? Well, you know, I, I, I think any athlete, if you're talking about college, yeah. okay, and, and that, that question pertains to college, talking to a college athletic director hires us, they will always have that back-of-the-envelope list that they kept over the years of candidates that they thought were, um, you know, were going to be somebody they wanted to talk to if and when their job ever opened. The fact that You'll, you'll go through that list in like a day <laughs> right. that the, the people aren't interested. They're not, they're not looking to move at that time. They maybe had a bad year that year, all those things. And now, now you're through that list. What do you do? And, and athletic directors who say to me, I, I have a list of people. I'm, I'm good. Always have a failed search because they, they very rarely – find that name on that list as one that they hire. So, you know, our insurance is we'll, we'll vet your candidates, okay, but we're going to have a whole other list of candidates yeah. to look at if, if, this, can, if this, this list doesn't go right. And more often than not, our candidates trump their candidates anyway. So, again, this is something that we do all the time. I mean, we're a big firm. We have people that all year long, that's all we're thinking about. We're, you know, ADs have, have a lot to think about. They have great responsibilities, compliance, fundraising, student-athlete welfare, all the types of things that ADs have to worry about all the time. And they'll have 72 hours, sometimes 48 hours, 24 hours, to make the biggest decision of their career. Yeah. Who's going to be their football coach? Who's going to be their basketball coach? And, and I, would ter- I would always think, you need to turn to somebody who's doing this for a living, who's thinking about this well beyond the time that you're thinking about it. And that's what we bring to the table. I want to shift the conversation a little bit to um, the impact that the changing landscape of the NCAA and the potential of players getting paid for their likeness or um, you know, potentially just being paid down the road at some point what impact do you think that's having on or will have on high school sports and even youth sports? Well, I, I think this is more of a, you know, who knows what, what it's going to mean to sports in the, in the future. You know, we're, we're kind of in uncharted waters as far as, as all of this goes. And uh, I, get, I get both sides of the argument. Yeah. I get where people think that they think that student-athletes aren't, aren't paid uh, what they should be paid or what they're entitled to. And, um, you know, there are also those who say that, you know, where it's amateur sports, right. it's college sports, it's not professional sports. And, and I get that. If, if you're going to, if it's, co- you know, collegiate sports and you want to monitor things like, um, you know, whether or not people are getting paid, whether or not they're going to be, 
uh, dealing with agents or shoe companies or, or all the things that they've been monitoring over the last so many years, uh, I think when you, when you start bringing these things into it, uh, you know, it brings in a, another whole another aspect that you have to monitor and it, it becomes, you know, I think it becomes very difficult. I don't know where it's going to end up in the future. I don't think anybody does, but, you know, at the end of the day, I want what's best for the kids. And I, I think what's best is, you know, what I believe in is a university getting X amount of money from a shoe company or a sponsor to share with all of their athletes. Right. So whether or not it's 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 Olympic sports, non-revenue sports, uh, male or female sports, it doesn't matter. All the student athletes are going to get training table and they're going to travel well and they're all going to do that. Rather than uh, you know, point one percent of the student athletes <laughs> getting paid. Right. Yeah. Okay. I I'd rather see it being distributed among everybody and and. And you know, in getting their college education, and you know, it's not everybody's going to be a professional athlete. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people that, you know, you know, student athletes, college scholarships for athletics, is the largest funder of college education outside of the GI Bill. So, you know, obviously there's some good to that. Right. Yeah. That I believe for sure. Yeah. So before we get into our final five questions that are just quick hitters, um, college athletics has a lot of crazy and rabid fans and fan bases. And if they're hiring somebody uh, and they know that you're doing the search, I'm sure that there have been, uh, I know there have been some interesting stories of people trying to figure out who you're going after or what candidates are and following your travel habits. So what's, what are one or two of the best stories that you've dealt with of, you know, people trying to figure out who Glenn Sugiyama is bringing to the table for our new football coach or basketball coach? Well, I think one of the things that, that is kind of a negative is, and, and, and I think it's a positive that there's so much interest in who the leadership is and any fan base, a rabid fan base in a lot of instances, um, you know, any fan base that has has the right to, to follow their team and, you know, they have high interest in who the, their next coach is. That That's great. I think it, it when it, it extends beyond into, into being very intrusive into what I do, the reason why I'm so secretive and so mm-hmm. confidential in everything that I do, whether whether I have to use multiple phones, whether or not I have to call the coach's wife's phone because <laughs> he has a school phone, whether or not I have to coach uh, email, you know, Gmail accounts and all the different things that I have to worry about confidentiality. We, you know, we run everything out of our office so that, not, you know, not even a coach's expense would ever have to go into a, a university. You know, it all comes to us. So we monitor, you know, we protect the, the confidentiality of not just a coach that's hired, but all the coaches who were considered for the position and did not get right. the job. And that's who I think about, okay, because this is their careers on the line. And the people who we're considering 
are all very strong candidates, obviously, and have been successful in their lives. And you could tear down their relationship with their current employer in a day right, yeah. if, if you make a mistake or, sure. or you, you, you let down your guards. So, you know, they honor me by, by getting involved in my search and, and speaking to my client. And I'm nobody without them. So, you know, I have to, my, my pact to them is that I, I, I protect them and do everything I can to, to, to um, make sure that their identity is not known. Now, part of that that becomes a negative is the fact that sometimes, you know, people in not, not to talk about the media, but there's people in the media that will just throw something against the wall to see what sticks. And if you if you list twenty coaches in in your article, <laughs> right. uh, you're, you're bound right. to yeah. hit yeah. some yeah. names that I'm yeah. talking to. And then what happens is uh those coaches then call me and say, hey, Glenn, <laughs> my name's in, in, in this article or that article. Right. I can't control that. That's something I can't control. And I've had, um, you know, without, without naming what institution or what search it was, I had one where it was a, um, it was a specific entity that, you know, kind of breaks this kind of news, and they said that... Uh, um, you know, a certain a certain coach was hired and uh, w- or was going to be hired, and it wasn't the case. Right. And I I I called them to tip them off, and and I I said, listen, you know, I don't I don't want to be quoted that I'm even calling you about this, but I you should you should stay away from that because you're putting this person in jeopardy, and they're 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 not going to get this job. Right. And um, they said, well, I heard that they are getting the job and I go well I'm telling you not. <laughs> right. we're kind of having an argument over whether or not this person <laughs> yeah and you're like I know I'm yeah, right. <laughs> I kind of know you know but but uh, uh, you know I, I think that that's all I'm trying to do is and, and the media uh, reporters they have a job to do and I get that uh, and if if you know you could I could help you stay positive. I'll do it. Yeah. But I just don't want it to see anybody get hurt or anybody's career being affected because that that's what's happening by these articles. You know, yeah. it doesn't mean anything to the fans. Right. But it definitely means something to, to that, the people that are that, actually in that the, person yeah. because it, it's different than a regular job too. They they're the number one person. They're sometimes the most visible person at their school, if not their state. They've got teams. They've got recruits. They've got there's so many impactful things that it's far-reaching for their name to get out into something like this, and they have every right also to inquire about a job if they wanted to, without their name getting out there. So I do whatever I can, and that that's something I can do. Right. That an athletic director can't, can't do, do. Right. or a school can't do. You cannot reach out to an athletic director and have it be quiet. Right. Okay, you're, you're, especially with public records and, and sunshine laws and things like that in different states, you cannot reach out to somebody and expect your name not to get out there. Okay, once you had a conversation, then, then your boss comes and asks you, did you talk to somebody from that school? Yeah. You have to say yes unless you're going to lie. Yeah. Okay, I don't work for the school, so they could they could talk to me. They could find out information about that job. 
that may or may not make them more interested or less interested. Yeah. So they can they they then have the right to 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 do their research by talking to me and decide whether or not even they even want to get into it yeah. without putting their career on the line. Well, and, and you, I mean, you've had people that have, I mean, have tried to like figure out where you're traveling to, right? During searches and, you know, tracking well, flights and <laughs> things they, like that. They, they, it's obviously we, we, they track our flights. We, you know, so we have to do things. We use multiple planes. <laughs> uh, we've used different planes on, on different, uh, d- at, uh, in the middle of a search, we've, scrambled our tail numbers we've done everything that we could to make sure that uh that they don't know where we're going and um uh, we you know private private travel is something that's a necessity in what we do because you know we have like i said we don't have days we have hours to fill a search so it's got to be and a lot of times we're in a competitive situation with another school or another team or fighting for these candidates. So we got to get there quickly uh, and we've got to talk to X amount of people in X amount of days. And you know, when we're uh, in, especially in college football, um, they can't, coaches can't move because they have practice. They're <laughs> right. at the end of the year, they're all pra- in bowl practice. So they're in bowl practice, they're in, they're at, could be at bowl sites all around the country. Right. So we have to be flying around at different bowl locations or practice locations or depending on on, on where they are So because they're busy. So it's not like I could sit in my office in Chicago or New York or L.A. or <laughs> and one have of a bunch of people stroll through and, and have right, them yeah. all come in to yeah. one place. Yeah. And we just sit in one place. That does not yeah. happen. Yeah. Okay. We have to get out there and meet those candidates find them wherever they're at and 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 talk to them in a timely manner yeah it's it's a fascinating world that you uh that you that you live in here um so to wrap up we uh with every podcast five quick hitter questions for you um the first one michigan state alum favorite all-time michigan state athlete Irvin magic johnson okay that's a, that would, that's probably what we were expecting um if you could hire the CEO of any company outside of sports, what company would you want to hire for? That's a great question. Uh, is, is this any company? Any or company, any, yeah. Or yeah. any entity? Any entity, yeah, yeah. yeah outside of sports. If I could sports, hire yeah. any entity. Yeah, if you were given the job, to, if you wanted to place the CEO at any company outside of sports. Or president? How about president, president of the United States? <laughs> Are we doing okay? We could we could change that up for twenty twenty. We'll do a we'll hire Glenn as the executive search. That's a good that's a good answer. We weren't expecting that, but you know what? But but I, I could tell you in government, yeah, whether or not it's it's federal government, state government, or local government, you know, one of the things that always happens is whenever there's a change in leadership, whether it's administration or um, you know, a new elected official or the parties change, they go and they'll hire people that work for their campaign or very rarely is it somebody who's qualified for that to run right. that agency. Yeah. And I, I think it would be it would be a great thing again to use an executive search <laughs> right. firm yeah. to vet candidates to not worry about what this person did 
what this person, how much money this person gave to the right. campaign, or what you know, this, did this person work on the campaign, or what have you, and just find people, especially in leadership positions, yeah. you know, commerce secretary or something <laughs> like yeah. that. Who is the best person like for that. the job? Right. Who yeah. is the best person for the job? Because at the end of the day, you're, there is so much at stake for yeah. this country, yeah. this city, or this state. There's so much at stake that in that position you could affect so much change if we could go recruit somebody who may not have thought about going <laughs> right, to public yeah. service. Yeah. And that I would go find a person to say, you know what, could, could you take your time and use my talents to not only evaluate them, but then recruit them to that job and decide that, that they should give their future four years or eight years <laughs> right. to public service. Yeah. And, and devote it to, to, to that specific job. And then again, the president and Congress, as, as is set in the Constitution, they would have the ability to, to interview um, and, and select who they right. want at the end of the day. And, and, some, and then maybe they could put the, you know, when I have, here's five qualified candidates for this job, then they could put on the lens of, Who's who's a Democrat or Republican? Who, who might have helped us? Or who knows who who? But at least everybody that they're considering is somebody that's been vetted properly, just the same way a, a private Fortune 500 company would vet a candidate. I like it. Let's head in that direction. Well, you're the man for the job. We're good <laughs> to go. Um, all right. Question number three: um, If you could become the coach of any college basketball program right now, what would it, which one would it be? Well, I went to Michigan State, and, uh, you know, the coach at Michigan State's a good friend yeah, of mine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they, they currently have a coach. So I don't want to – I don't really – You're not going to take – yeah, okay. Him, yeah. But if, if, if he wasn't there, uh, I, you know, it's always, it's always a special thing to go back to your alma mater. For sure. And, and, uh, and do whatever, yeah. I, I think. Uh, you know, you know where you went to school for the rest of your life is all always has a has a place in your heart. And you know, Michigan State uh, was was good to me. It was it was a place where I met my wife. Mm. Uh, some of the greatest things that happened to me in life happened to me when I was in college. And so, um, you know, I, I think that uh, going back there in any capacity would be something. Uh, that that would be like a you know a, a high honor. Yeah, great. Uh, question number four: We're in November. Who's your pick for the college football national champion? Um, well, boy, that's a that's a <laughs> that's a tough one because you know if there's anything that that you've seen or fans have seen this year is a parody in, in college football today. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's so tough to win on the road. It's so tough to win and play at a high level throughout the season. And, and injuries, uh, you know, just a devastating injury uh, to, to the quarterback at Alabama obviously hinders their chances right. to win. So there's so many different variables coming up here in, the, in, the, in these next, two, next few weeks. And we're just sitting here a couple weeks out. So... Uh, I yeah, I really don't know. That's a that's a that's a tough one. And you don't know who your clients are going to be one day, so you don't that's, want to pick that's anybody. Right, that's right. That's right. <laughs> all right, uh, we, I'll we, say all of them. 
We end every podcast um, with the same question. When you think of the power of positive and in your everyday work, what does that mean? Uh, power of positive. I think, you know what? It, like, it's like you talked about culture at, at, the, at the beginning of this. Yeah. I think, you know, in your life, you know, there, there are those people that, you know, there's givers and there's takers in any organization, in, in, in any company that, that's out there in America, on any team, there's givers and takers. There's, there's people who come and they contribute all the time, and there's people that come and they take all the time, and they never give. And, and so, you know, I just think it's important to always not, not just be a positive person in my life, but, you know, always contribute in a positive way, but to hang out with positive people. I think that's, that's really important. I think uh, to, you know, to, to be, uh, there's, there's too much negative energy in the world and, 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 you know, getting back to these teams where, you know, you'll see a team where they're early in the season, they're really good and they're playing at a high level and they're ranked in the top 10 in the country. Next thing you see them win three, four, lose three, four in a row, yeah. and they're out of the and ranking. They're, they're out of the top 25. And, yeah. and it's like, what happened? This is in a course of three or four games. And, it, it, you know, that negative energy snowballs. And if, if, it, if it creeps into your organization, creeps into your team, creeps into your institution, um, it, it's, it's far-reaching. And it extends beyond your talent. So that's when the best teams don't always win. That's when the best organizations aren't always profitable, when you have so much negative energy and there's just downer people to be around. And, you know, there's so many downer people out there that I want to make sure that, you know, life's hard enough. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to spend my time around those people. I want to spend my time around positive people. And, you know, you know PCA and, and what they do and, in in coaching young kids all around around the country and like I said I my both my kids played youth sports and they played high school sports and my my son was able to play division one sports and you know the ability of 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 just having positive role models for your kids at a young age that's what makes that sports experience even more positive than just competition just the hard work preparation all the other things that you learn from sports Having that positive role model that you could look at, up to as a mentor and has taught you lifelong lessons at a young age, I think that is uh, second to none. Couldn't think of a better way to end the podcast. That was a great answer. So, Glenn, thanks so much for joining us today and for your ongoing support of Positive Coaching Alliance. Thanks, Jason. It was a lot of fun.